Hello and welcome to episode 54 of the Beat Picture Podcast. I'm your host, Bidemi Logundi. Today on the show, I'll be presenting the recent case of a Nigerian threat actor looking to bribe company insiders to install ransomware on their company's network and then receive a portion of the ransom payment. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. So almost three weeks ago on Thursday, August 12, security researchers at Abnormal Security, which is a cybersecurity firm, interrupted an intriguing batch of emails that were directed at the employees of a company who is a customer of Abnormal Security. So these emails attempted to bribe and convince insiders to install ransomware on their own company's network with the promise of substantial monetary payments in form of Bitcoin as part of this cybercrime operation. So the emails appear to come from one thread actor um, going by the username Pablo. And this thread actor seems to be connected to the Nigeria-based Demonware ransom group, also known as Black Kingdom. So Demonware uses different methods to install ransomware, most recently exploiting unpatched vulnerabilities in Microsoft Exchange known as Proxy Logon. So the threat actor, like I said earlier, operating under the screen name Pablo, offered $1 million to be paid in cryptocurrency if the insider infects a computer or server that belongs to their own employer. The $1 million is presented as 40% of a potential $2.5 million ransom payment that the hackers claim they would ask the victim for. So they intended to to carry out this ransomware operation and ask for $2.5 million in ransom payment. And then if the company pays the $2.5 million, they would give the insider 40% of that ransom payment, which amounts to $1 million, everything in Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. So the researchers um, at Abnormal Security replied to Pablo, and then they pretended to play along. As expected, Pablo replied with the links to the ransomware payload packaged in a file called Wallet Connect. And then when the security researchers told Pablo that the company they worked for was small and wasn't making as much money as he expected in overall revenue, Pablo quickly scaled down the initial $2.5 million ransom demand to a more modest $120,000. So after communicating with Pablo over a period of five days, the security researchers were provided with links to two executable files that then um, directed them to WeTransfer and Mega.nz file sharing websites. So after they checked the two files, they confirmed that one of them was actually a ransomware sample. So Pablo also provided a bit more information about himself um, to the security researchers by revealing that he is located in Nigeria was trying to build an African social networking platform like Facebook, which he mentioned by name. He later deleted some of that information from the chat because he realized he was practicing poor operational security, OPSEC. He shouldn't have provided any details about himself because now everyone knows who this guy is and it's going to be difficult for him to, to deny um, otherwise. So, Pablo went on to explain that he resorted to the insider threat option to deploy ransomware to victim, victims' networks after trying and failing to get phishing emails to his targets 
who were mainly company CEOs and CFOs, so chief executive officers and chief financial officers. And then he got their contact information from LinkedIn. Pablo said the ransomware would destroy any evidence that could tie their accomplices back to the ransomware attack, such as CCTV footage. So previously, other ransomware groups have been observed trying to use social engineering tricks and bribing company employees into infecting their own company networks. In a recent case, three actors that were operating the Lockbit 2.0 ransomware tried to contact and bribe company employees into becoming affiliates and then partnering up with them with the promise of significant payouts once the cyber attacks are executed successfully. And then back in July 2020, a 27-year-old Russian, Igor Krichkov, conspired to extort $4 million in ransom from Tesla, the electric car manufacturer, by trying to entice an employee of Tesla, a Russian-speaking employee of Tesla, to plant malware that is capable of exfiltrating data into the company's network. So Krichkov pleaded guilty to this scheme in March of this year. So while this whole incident of using insiders for ransomware attacks may not prove to be an efficient tactic for ransomware operators, it does provide indirect evidence for the effectiveness of using automated cyber defense systems that can scan emails for phishing email attempts and malware infection attempts. So the security researchers at Abnormal Security said that they would not have discovered this scam if not for their own product that picked up a batch of those incoming emails. In addition to the scammer saying that he, he, he tried to use phishing and other traditional infection delivery methods, but he wasn't successful. So that's why he tried this social engineering um, attempt, trying to get an insider to install the ransomware for him and he would share the ransomware payments 60-40. So on the other hand, the incident also illustrates the limits of this automated detection system. So there's two parts to everything. If a company uses automated detection systems like we saw here to scan emails for even social engineering attempts, not just only bad URLs and bad attachments, there's also a disadvantage of using those kind of systems. So like my listeners on this podcast know, I present all these issues and then I look at them from two opposite sides. So the disadvantage of using um, automated detection systems is that there's a potential for insider attacks to grow as an avenue of cybercrime because the defenses would improve against the current leading methods. So many social networking sites offer robust protection against malware that is being sent in emails and messages on their platforms, but they have no real means of detecting social engineering attempts or outright direct pitches to employees to engage in criminal behavior because it's possible for a threat actor to develop rapport with an employee even outside of the company's emails and chat systems. It could be that this threat actor actually maybe goes to the same gym with this employee because we've seen, in my experience, I've seen cases where determined threat actors would run this as an actual intelligence operation. They would actually identify a few people in the company who they want to use to get into the company. They will build relationships with them over a period of weeks and months, maybe 
hang out with them outside of work, develop rapport, probably maybe like I mentioned, in going to the same gym, going to the same um, restaurant and so on. And then from there, it becomes much easier to get them to do something relatively harmless. But that relatively harmless thing is also part of this larger intelligence operation. And they, they build these things like a well-run operation, basically. So direct or insider threat attacks may become more prevalent as more employees work from home with clever attackers potentially tricking targets into uploading malware or even using leverage over them that was obtained from data breaches and social media account takeovers as blackmail. So I've covered on this podcast different instances where um, a threat actor steals the login of maybe Snapchat or Instagram or Facebook and then gets um, a user's maybe nude pictures that is stored on their social media accounts, not necessarily sharing it with anybody because they, they take pictures with those filters and then the pictures come out better and they're using it to maybe track their weight loss gain or weight loss or weight gain or whatever they are tracking and they end up with these nude pictures on their social media accounts and the thread actor gets their hands on those nude pictures and then use them as blackmail to get those people to then deliver ransomware or some other malware into their um, company networks. So in line with this assessment, high-value targets should anticipate an uptick in creative social engineering attempts of this nature. Personal assessment of high-value and high-profile individuals should focus on keeping their clients more security-aware, implement processes on how to deal with and report phishing emails, and implement technical controls to reduce associated risk that could pop up. So this is one of the elements of the threat models that I use when running cyber threat intelligence and counterintelligence operations, which I talked about on the Ask Me Anything session back on episode 51. So that's all I have for today's episode of The Bait Picture. The production, editing, fact-checking, audio engineering, and graphic design were done by yours truly, Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity topics, news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can all learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you follow, download, or subscribe to the Beat Picture Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please email me at bdme at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture, as well as on the Clubhouse app at BID. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.